Right, that's for the in crowd to have. <laughs> All right, so our, Deuteron- our portion is Deuteronomy 29, uh, starting in verse 9. I really like how this portion starts. Um, it starts, all of you are standing here today. You know, it's like you're standing at attention. You know, picture it in your mind like you're standing there ready to go into the land. And and, and it's really, it's, it's this passage is, it's almost like there's a, a transformation in, in time that happens. It's like you go from, whatever it was, 3,000 years ago to um, 4,000, whatever, you know, of the children of Israel standing on the verge of the Jordan, getting ready to go in with Moses speaking to them right before he dies. And then God, God transforms and it's like, it's like you're, you know, you, you're looking and you see this desert image in your mind, but then all of a sudden it's like God, you know, turns around out of the scripture in this point and write it, each and every one of you, because he says, it's not you who uh, uh, stood here, but it's not only you who I make this covenant with, it's those who are not here today. And then it's almost as if the rest of the scripture is, a passage in this portion is speaking right to God's people, right where they are right now, (coughs) for such a time as this. And it's so powerful. And... Uh, So let's just read a little bit of it. So 29, uh, verse 9 is where we start. So, ye stand this day, all of you, before Yehovah your God, captains of your tribes, your elders, officers, with all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, thy stranger that is in thy camp, from the hewer of thy wood unto the drawer of thy water. Why? That thou should enter into covenant with Yehovah thy God, and into his oath, which Jehovah thy God made with thee this day, that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, that he may be unto thee a God, as he has said unto thee, and has sworn unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So he pulls all the people together, big, small, proud, tall, short, fat, uh, insignificant, really significant, seemingly, and says... You're all standing here this day, and I'm making this covenant with you and establishing this oath to make you my people. And uh, uh, and it's so that's so important because they the covenant was already made when they all stood at the mountain. But most of those people aren't around anymore. Most of them died in the wilderness, except those who were 20 years old and under. And so God reestablishes the covenant with this next generation before they get ready to go into the land to say, I made this covenant for you and with you. And now you are the ones who carry it and hold it together and maintain it as you go into the land to be my witnesses and to work out my will in your lives and what you go to do. And it's the same exact thing for us because, and this is such an important, important scripture. And let's, let's read a few more verses and then I'll, um, I'll comment a little more. So 14, neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that standeth here with us this day before Yehovah our God, and also with him that is not here 
with us this day. So it's for those who are standing there that time, also those who are not there that day. In other words, to subsequent generations, it gets renewed. Because as we see with every generation, a walk with God does not get passed down via osmosis. It has to be fostered and born forth within the heart of the next generation to make it their own and to have that relationship with God. But God's covenant and that which gets passed down and that which is maintained never changes. And that's so vitally important for us because, because the same thing held true in Yeshua's day and age. They, it, they read the same exact passages, the same exact scriptures, the same exact portions, and just because Yeshua was there, it didn't all of a sudden say, but except that you don't actually have to do it anymore. You know, that would be an asinine, heretical statement, and everybody would have thought, you're crazy. But that's exactly what's happening today, and they say, you know, God... <laughs> You know, it's hard to even explain and wrap your mind around it because you have to basically say, none of that really mattered. And God totally scrapped everything he said, and now he's doing something totally new. But that even that makes no sense because Yeshua and what he did and God's whole plan of salvation and redemption for his people of Israel is built into this covenant. So if you get rid of it and if you change it all, you got to throw out Yeshua too. Because it's only the covenant that gets renewed and the promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because we know Abraham looked and re- with joy to the day of Yeshua coming that, that uh, these things continue. And so it's so vital this passage that, it, that, that well that's why Moses and God makes such a big point about it is that it's to every generation it gets renewed. And so, just as when Yeshua came, you know, whether you were looking forward to him or looking back to him, it'd be like saying, well, it it happened back then and it's not relevant to us anymore and we can just kind of figure it out on our own. You know, whether or not he died or did anything. You know, most Christians would consider that crazy, right? Well, why then would we say, well, that covenant was back there with them and those people? Because we have... We have uh, theologically separated ourselves from the people of God into the church or some other organization or some denomination. But God has only ever had one people. And, and you're either with those people or you're not. You're either in Israel or you're part of the nations. And when you're in Israel, all the covenants, the promises... The blessings and the curses go along with that. And so he warns them specifically against transgressing the covenant. The very thing that's happening in our community, in our world, in our day today, and why we're weeping all the curses of disobedience is because we have forsaken this covenant and these words. Because he goes on and he says, Lest there, in 18, lest there should be among you a man, a woman, a family, a tribe, whose heart turneth away this day from Yahweh our God, to go and serve the gods of these nations, lest there be among you a root that beareth gall and wormwood. The agricultural 
picture is so important and used all throughout the Bible, including with Paul, that if there's a branch that's not producing fruit or a tree, what does the farmer do? He cuts it off and he throws it into the fire. And so he says if there is a tribe, a family, a person who says, let's not obey God anymore, let's go do who knows whatever, whether it's anything, that is a root-bearing gall and wormwood. And it's not the fruit of God. It's not the fruit in the works of righteousness. It creates sickness and death, just as natural ramifications. 19. And it come to pass, when he heareth the words of this curse, (laughs) that he shall bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart, to add drunkenness to thirst. In other words, uh, you know, again, this picture of the desert life and, and water is life, and all you who thirst come to me. And to, he says, you know, you hear the words of this curse, which again, you know, we all read and have read, and say, I, you know, none of that will come on me. I'm covered by the blood of Yeshua. You know? That I, you know, I, I can do whatever I want, basically. He says, no, you walk in the imagination of your own heart. Because, he says, their heart has turned away from God. And so if the actions do not line up with the word of God, where's the heart at? And, and that's why God makes such a big issue of the heart. You know, it's, you know, I you used to, growing and up, used to think, and, and what was fostered is, uh, you know, it's just a whole big list of do's and don'ts back there in those five books. You know, there's no real life to it. You know, but then when you get into it, you realize, I was so wrong, you know. It's, it's full of the heart and the spirit of God for his people. <laughs> And so he says, you will add drunkenness to your thirst. So in other words, you're drinking that which you make when you're thirsty and dying in the wilderness and you just make yourself more drunk upon your thirst. So what's God say about that? (coughs) He says, Yehovah will not spare him. But then the anger of Yehovah and his jealousy shall smoke against that man and all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him. And Yehovah shall blot out his name. From under heaven, you know, them's fighting words. But, you know, it's pretty serious stuff. He sets his anger against anyone who would take away from the words of his covenant. Why? Why is that so important? Because his word is who he is. It is his very nature, his essence, his. It's the only way in which we know anything about him. So to detract from it or to add from it is to alter the very uh, picture of God to mankind. And so he doesn't mess around with that. And so he says he'll pour out all these curses and his anger and fury on the man who does that. And again, to distort the picture of his covenant is to distort that which Yeshua came to do for his people. All right, so 21. Yehovah shall separate him unto evil 
out of all the tribes of Israel according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in the book of the law, so that the generation to come of your children shall rise up after you. And the stranger that shall come from far off shall say, when they see the plagues of the land, the sickness that you have laid upon it, it's brimstone, it's not sown, it beareth no grass, it's like Sodom and Gomorrah, and God's overthrown it. 24, all the nations shall say, Wherefore hath the Yahweh done this unto this land? What meaneth the heat of this great anger? And the men shall say, Why, because they have forsaken the covenant of Yehovah, God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not, whom they had not given to him, given to them. And the anger of Yehovah was kindled against this land, took it upon it all the curses, to, I'm sorry, to bring upon it all the curses that are written in this book. And Yehovah rooted them out, just like a tree, he uprooted them, out of their land in anger and in wrath and in great indignation and cast them unto another, as it is this day. And that's still how it is this day. Yes, some of Judah is back in the land, but for the most part, we're all still uh, uprooted, not where we should be. <clears throat> So then in chapter 29, a very famous verse, it says, The secret things belong unto Yehovah our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. So it's irrelevant what the secret things are, basically. Moses is basically telling them, you have everything you need, and you know everything you know, to be able to live the way that you're supposed to. Don't go outside of that. But it's man's nature to get caught up in tantalizing tidbits and secret things and somebody who has secret knowledge and, you know, mystical whatever. When God is very literal, he's very down to earth, and he says, this law which I've given you is revealed unto you. That your children, to us and our children, why? That we may do all the words of this law. And so I think we're, you know, especially in, you know, there's a lot of, and there's, you know, I don't want to, this is make it sound like I'm against prophetic things because that isn't God's word and we're supposed to know that. But I think sometimes it gets so far outside of the word of God that, you know, we become conspiracy conspiracy theorists instead of you know book people doing what the word says you know that needs to be our first priority <clears throat> and then the prophetic things will unfold and reveal themselves and if you're walking in God's word you're not going to be lost and miss something you know it's you know nobody nobody got left behind in Egypt who put the blood on the door you know they they all exited and we're all, you know, God's firstborn. And so he protects them. All right. All right. Let's see where we are. All right. So let's keep going through our passage here. So verse 30. I'm sorry, chapter 30. So it says, 
It shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among the nations whither Yehovah thy God have driven thee. Thou shalt return unto Yehovah thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day. Thou, thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then Yehovah thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither Yehovah thy God hath scattered thee. So, so this is the part where I'm saying, it's like in 29 and, and then, Verse 29 of 29, and then in chapter 30, verse 1, it's like it's like God's focus of who he's talking to kind of changes. Because, you know, what, what's it relevant to them? They're ready to go into the land. But this passage is written directly to us. You know, so, it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing, the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations with the Yahweh thy God have driven thee. So what's, and, and that's what we are, we're scattered all over, everywhere, everywhere. You know, in diverse places and caves and holes and rocks and tents. And so, but what is starting to happen? And shall return unto Yahweh thy God. And what is Yahweh thy God? It is his word, it is the covenant, and the consistency therein. And says, and shall obey his voice. The only thing that he said is what's recorded in here. So you can't have a mix-up. And uh, obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thy heart. There's that heart again. It's, so it's a heart and it's a motivation that produces action in your life that bears forth fruit of obedience and not anything else which is gall and wormwood. So you turn with all your heart and with all your soul, your being, that's what animates you. That then, Yehovah thy God, will turn thy captivity and have compassion on thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither Yehovah thy God hath scattered thee. I think we're still, obviously, back in verse 2. So we're still returning to Yehovah our God, learning to obey His voice, to alter the conduct of our lives with all our heart and all our soul. And, and so we all know what that means. Any of us who have really devoted ourselves to anything that we really love, you know, be it, um, I can't think of, you know, fishing, you know, picking on Paul, or music, or uh, I like sailing, you know, it consumes you, right? And, and it motivates you, and you, and you act upon it, and you maybe get in shape for it or set apart time. The same thing has to be in our own hearts and our own lives to, to uh, take the word of God and work it out and apply it in our own lives. Like I was just, like I was talking about, the, the people around us will see uh, a group of people who are motivated by something different, you know, and can show it from the word why they do it. Verse 4. If any of thine be driven out unto the outermost parts of heaven, from thence will Yehovah thy God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And Yehovah thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possess, and shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. And Yehovah thy God will circumcise thy heart and the heart of thy seed, to love Yehovah thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. And Yehovah thy God will put all these curses upon thine enemies and on them that hate thee. 
which persecuted thee. Eight, and thou shalt return and obey the voice of Yehovah and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day. I mean, it's really pretty simple. Basically, where we are, we are to turn, know his word, study it and learn it, apply it to our lives with our heart, soul, and strength, and work it out and do it in our lives. You know, the challenge is we're still in the exile. And so, by, by nature, we can't obey as we ought to because it was designed to be lived out in the land. But that can't, we can't function according to human nature and use that as an excuse in our lives. We have to constantly be checking the motivations of our heart. Is it really one that wants to serve and obey? Or are we trying to figure out a way around it, you know, on technicalities? You know, that to me is where the battle lies. Our heart wants to obey, but our mind is where, you know, the argument lies. And so we have to constantly check our motivations. And we need to stay in relationship with God and in His Word and prayer daily because... Uh, if you're, if I'm working on a horse and the client's there, though I don't do anything differently, it still changes things, doesn't it? And maybe you do do some things slightly differently. Maybe not wrong or different or even better, but there's a quickening, right, of, of, the, of, of you and your mind. Um, you know, I don't know. You might be painting a house, and if, you know, if you know the, the whatever, the owner's going to be coming in more regularly. It's, you know, it, you're still going to do a good job, and you stand behind your work, but there's an element of difference there. And so I believe the same things in our own life. If we are in relationship and communication and reading his word and praying it doesn't allow you to stray as far and so it maintains the freshness and the uh, the life in the relationship to where you're constantly thinking about God and so it makes that distance between your heart and your mind less far and less fuzzy and more alive to where then you will, I believe, make decisions in your life which will be more consistent because God is preparing His people to go back to the land to set up His kingdom. But He's got to have a people to go back there and actually do anything. You know, if they're all a mess, you know, it's like an army ready to do something. They drill and they train constantly, daily, day in and day out, and they may never get used, but they still have to be ready at a moment's notice to be able to go act with... with uh, accuracy and good function. Otherwise, they're useless, right? What's the point of having them? And it's the same thing for us. If we're not sharp and on and where we're supposed to be in our lives, when the day comes, you know, you know, you, you won't be very useful. Just like when Solomon built the temple. I've said this over and over. All the stones because we're the stones, right, of God, the stones of, temp, uh, 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 of the dwelling of God being built together 
where his presence can reside, they were cut off sight. They didn't have to be shaped once they got there. And I think that's what God's doing with us. And praise God, we have his spirit within us to help us do that. Otherwise, we'd fail all over the place. But, again, you know, we're not fully perfected yet. We still reside in a fleshly body. And so we have to continually work in our, heart, our, our lives through his word to hopefully be, uh, be what we should be. Where was I? Nine. Well, let's go down to ten. Well, no, let's do nine. And Yahweh thy God will make thee plenteous in the work of thine hand, the fruit of thy body, the fruit of thy cattle, and the fruit of thy land for good. For Yehovah will again rejoice over thee for good, as he rejoiced over thy fathers. So all the blessings, you know, the fruit of their body, the fruit of their animals, the fruit of their land, you know, the three main elements that consist of everything, God will bless those things. Ten, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of Yehovah thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto Yehovah thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. That sums it up <laughs> right there. And again, this, this covenant, this book of the law, you know, it cannot change. God cannot change. It's just absurd to even think because, again, if you if you change this, it destroys everything later on. Yeshua, the plan of redemption, you know, the rebuilding of the kingdom, God coming back, the festivals, you know. None of it makes sense. And that's why you get weird denominational belief things of all kinds because... You know, if you manipulate the seed and you genetically modify it, you get all kinds of weird fruit. That's not what God intended. And we see that in our world around us. Same applies for his word. 11. For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It's not in heaven that thou shouldst say, Who shall go up into heaven and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it into us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee, in thy mouth and in thy heart, that thou mayest do it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. So in other words, he's saying, you know, it's a plain as day. It's right here. You have it. Do it. It's not too hard. It's not far off. You know, it's not, you know, impossible, um, which is exactly, unfortunately, what Christianity teaches today that, you know, oh, it's it's too hard. It's, you know, it's such a burden, you know, but that's exactly what the Bible says it isn't. That's not, it says it's not too hard for you, but it's not a burden. It is a blessing. It's what gives you life. Okay. 17. But if thine heart turn away, so that thou wilt not hear, but be drawn away, and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that ye shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passest over the Jordan to go and possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that thou mayst, uh, that thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love Yahweh thy God, and that they mayest obey his voice, that thou mayest cleave unto him. Why? 
This is so important, and, and this is so forgotten in our, our day and age. For he is thy life and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which Jehovah swore unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In other words, what's the matter with you? Why? You're only here because I kept these prominences to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, and I kept you alive all the way through the wilderness. Don't you understand that I am your life and your length of days? Not because you're figuring it out on your own and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It, the same thing goes for us today. Who gives us work? Who gives us money? What does he say and has told us? God gives you wealth that he may establish the covenant with you. Not so that you can, you know, and not that, uh, you know, life and things are bad, and that's not what I'm implying, but... It is God who sustains us. It is God who gives us jobs. It's God who gives us money. It's God who gives us a, a place to meet in. He's the one who sustains us, not the world. We don't rely on them. We don't trust in them. We trust in Him. And so we obey the one who gives us these things. So therein lies the challenge. It's not easy. All right. So that's the end of our tour portion. So now let's go quickly to um, our Hoff tour portion, which is Isaiah 61. It's a great passage, and I don't think we'll read all of it, but... I think we'll just uh, we'll just read sixty one. It goes through sixty three nine, but we'll just read, we'll just read chapter sixty one. The spirit of of the of uh, so it would be uh, the Lord Yahweh is upon me because Yahweh hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and to open of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of Yehovah and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. To point in them that mourn in Zion. To give them unto the beauty of the isles. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they might be called trees. There we go. We got trees again. Of righteousness. The planting of Yehovah that he might be glorified. And they shall build the old ways, and they shall raise up former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities to desolation of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, the sons of the aliens shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of Yahweh. Men shall call you the ministers of our God, and ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and their glory shall ye boast themselves. For your name, for your shame, ye shall have double. And for confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in the land they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I, Yehovah, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. And I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the seed which Yehovah hath blessed. I will greatly rejoice in Yehovah. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation and hath covered me 
with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord Yahweh will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations. And I think that's what's happening right now. You know, this is something that God is doing. And um, we have to continually press on in our walk and our faith and our veracity of life to serve and obey Him in this time as best to the best of our abilities. All right, now let's go to our gospel portion, which is in Luke 24. One through twelve. Oh. So this is continuing on from where we read last week, which is uh, Yeshua after he was crucified. So twenty-four, one through twelve. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Yeshua. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered under the hand of simple men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. They remembered his words and returned from the sepulchre and told all these things unto the eleven, to all the rest, and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other woman that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departing, wondered in himself at that which was come to pass. So the resurrection of Yeshua is our portion there. So in closing, I guess, uh, as we wind down our reading of the Torah portion, um, uh, heading into the fall holidays, which might even begin tonight, um, I don't know, for me, they're always kind of bittersweet, you know? Because it's like, yeah, exciting, but I don't want to be here. <laughs> you know? Because really, you'd be making preparations to head to Jerusalem. Because all the men were supposed to go to Jerusalem for Sukkot. And so, once you found out, you'd even be making preparations now. And once you found out that the moon was sighted, you got two weeks before you have to be down in Jerusalem. And, uh, and you bring the whole family. And, um, you know, so they, they, God meant it to live, them to live in the land as a community, as a people together, serving Him and living out His word, uh, you know, in, in the way it's supposed to be. And right now it's not, you know, it's kind of fractured and we're scattered all over the place. But God knew that. And so, but any, and that's why he said in the passage we just read, if you'll turn back, if you'll be a people ready to go, prepared with your heart and soul and strength, then I will gather back my people from the nations. And that's what's happening now, and it's exciting, you know. So there's an element of bitterness to it, but there's an element of 
you know, these are our festivals now. You know, no more do we have the warm fuzzies towards the old pagan ways which we used to do. We have a new identity and a new heritage and a new family and a new culture and we adopt this into our life or we're adopted into it and now we live it out and we pass it on to the next generation um, hopefully with less baggage than we carry with us. And they won't know anything else, you know. It's beautiful. And, uh, and God will renew the covenant with them. And uh, so that's our task. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father God, I thank you for this day and for your word and uh, for the truth of it and um, for these holidays coming up. Help us just to rejoice and praise in you, where, even where we are, God, but that you would continue to work in our hearts and our, our mind to to continually lead us back to you and to be obedient unto you and to prepare us uh, to be able to return to your land of promise where someday we will be planted. I pray that that would be sooner than later and um, that we may see it quickly and soon. And I don't want to keep saying next year in Jerusalem. I want to be in Jerusalem next year. So this is our prayer, Father. Um, As we go out, just be with us and strengthen us and guide us. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen.